Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the TetraCast. My name is Zach Reese. I'm your host. Joining us today is uh, our typical crew, and I always most appreciated to have you guys along. So first off, we've got Josh Torres. I've learned more about ears this week than I ever cared about to know about ears for, up until my life up until this point. It's just, it's been a weird week for me. Oh yeah, that's a great <laughs> intro for yourself. What's going on? Um, so earlier this week, I got fucked up. I experienced the worst ear pain in my life from like around Tuesday morning. Wow. So I went to the, went to the doctor's like on Wednesday. He's like, "Hey, you got swimmers here." I'm like, "What the fuck is swimmers here?" Literally, what it means. Uh, oh, I I don't go swimming that much, so like it was just a really bad ear infection, like I guess the outer ear canal or something. And uh, you know what? Treat your ears right. You know, <laughs> that's the that's uh, the that's, uh, that's big uh, take away from also because man, it fucking hurts and it continues to hurt. It's good advice, man. But yeah, do they? Do I was they... on the I was on the swim team in high school, and swimmer's ear is basically when you get like fluid in your ear, and it like that's. Doesn't kind of gross, but it, yeah, it's it just it doesn't up. get out and it doesn't stay clean and yeah, it it's, it's one of those things like yeah, it it's one of those things that like it sounds like very basic on the surface. Like once you actually experience, it, it's like oh god, this this is the worst thing ever. Like I I got prescribed like antibiotic eardrops and I didn't actually know eardrops were a thing up until this point. What, what, so what, you didn't even know they were a thing. What are you I talking thought, about? I, I didn't I didn't know eardrops were a thing. I was like I know eye drops. I didn't know people took drops for their ears i just okay. never i i never encountered that in my life so sounds I was like, like oh, someone okay. who doesn't get a lot of earwax because <laughs> that's a very I, yeah. common ear softener thing i had to deal with yeah. that for a while yeah so but i know that my eardrop is actually working now because like i know it's in because the, the innards of my ear will be like saying fuck you and like continue like pulse painfully in my ear it's like oh okay the eardrop actually got in there because putting eardrops on by yourself is it's difficult for me to actually like get it in there, but I've just kind of been, <laughs> I've kind of been recovering right now. I'm kind of like doing That's the good. one headphone uh, life at the moment, and yeah, that's where I'm at. Wait, do you have the type of? Do you have earbuds? You don't just have regular headphones. Um, at work, I have earbuds. Uh, oh. Back at home, I have headphones. Do so, they not let yeah. you just take regular headphones to work or something? I would figure it's, just for uh, your health. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can take uh, your headphones to work. It's just I, I worn earbuds for a good amount of my life, and I didn't think it would actually. I don't know if that was actually the cause, but it, it definitely could have been because it yeah, sounds it like what been. you're doing is maybe jamming the moisture into your ear canal, and that's what caused it to build up. So I maybe. would probably say for your health, you might want to consider bringing your headphones from home to work or something and using that. Yeah, they'll understand. Probably a good idea. Yeah, because. If you're gonna, if you keep doing that, it's not just. Wa- I mean, it's any type of moisture, like whether it's you know sweat or water from a shower or something like that. So if you keep those earbuds in, it might keep that from healing. So best be careful. Yeah, that's uh, definitely. So that's been your week, huh? <laughs> that's kind of great yeah. start to this this podcast. Cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I probably should have saved yours for last if we're going to hear about that story. <laughs> but uh, obviously, you know, wish you the best recovery as quickly as Thank possible. You. So that's obviously a huge problem to have, especially if you want to enjoy music at work or something like that. And you can't because it's and especially painful. if you want to like want to play some games that like, you know, in which sound is important and you can't. <laughs> oh, wait, you wear headphones at home as well? I, I, I wear headphones uh, when, I, when I play games because ever since I transferred it over... Um, to my PC, I, you know, 
I uh, play games uh, in my headphones. It sounds really nice. I just oh. see. I just blare the sound. I don't care. Then again, you live with the. Uh, you have like other people around you, so you got to be careful about that. I suppose. Yeah. So that makes some sense. Mm-hmm. And of course, you also heard the voices of one Adam Vitali. Hey. And Brian Vitali. Hi. Okay. Thanks. Uh, thanks, can- everyone being a part of this podcast uh so i not to dwell too much on the ear infection business um we're gonna move right into uh what what we've been playing so far and yeah uh, i would this is actually a good segue because josh i don't think i don't know if there's anything to do with what you were just talking about but all you've got here is listed death is what you've yeah been i mean the game the, of death pretty it feels like it i mean i've i've Tried to play bits of Neo here and there, and I could that probably seems stand. That, that, it probably I could probably only stand maybe 20, 25 minutes of it before, before I'm like, oh well, I this is kind of too much for me at the moment. And in a game like Neo, sound is kind of important. So I've kind of I'm only up until Not the point. Really, I, actually, I mean, I, I would say no. It's it's more like you, you're you're paying attention with your eyes more than sound. But I understand. Yeah, <laughs> it, like uh, right now I've. Like my progress has been very slow. I've only defeated no. I the last time I played was like about two days ago. I defeated like the White Tiger, so I'm now at like a stage like a castle stage with a lot of ninjas. Um, so that's going all right. I'm, I was hoping to beat it by this weekend, but I'm probably I'm probably not on the course of actually doing that. No, but... you're pretty far away. I mean that White yeah. Tiger is super aggressive, like almost as aggressive as the um, what was it the uh, the second boss in the game. So. Oh yeah, it's uh the I actually enjoyed the fight. It was actually all right. Like I kind of beat it like on the second try, I believe. Yeah. So that was that was all good. But uh, other than that, I mean, I I kind of went back to Gundam Breaker Three because it's my comfort food in which I don't need my sounds to play it. So I've kind of just been fiddling around with that, building new stuff, and you know, and kind of uh, playing all the newest DLC that came out for it. And I think the the one takeaway I got from it is that. Bandai Namco Asia is kind of slow on updating the Singapore PSN store with actual new DLC for those games. Like it's been out for maybe a week or two now in J- Japan, and it still hasn't shown up there at the Singapore store. So it's kind of a weird thing on their end. So, but I'm hoping you know it comes out soon because the final DLC of that uh, seems really really hilarious from what I've heard from other friends. Like Adam, you 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 know balls right from Gundam? Those little Small machines of hey suicidal machines. Mm, I don't remember. But they're they're like the, they're like really like ball shaped like little arms and a cannon on their head. I don't know if that was in. I feel like that was in the first Gundam, but that's in there. No, I don't remember them. I remember like the different planes and things, but not these little balls. So hmm, okay, maybe I'll encounter them in Double Zeta. But yeah, that's just been my. Uh, slow week i guess that's kind of where uh, I so I, I have this i have this like I have, I have this like vision in my head where like josh is like laying on his couch or whatever with like pillows on his ears kind of like half holding a controller while he's playing gundam <laughs> oh you probably wouldn't be far from the mark uh, yeah i mean I, I guess that's kind of all that i've been playing as well uh is just neo myself because uh that's been kind of taking up most of my free time uh i for some reason, like uh, one morning, I woke up at around four thirty, um, and this is like four thirty in the morning. I have to usually get up around five, 
5.15 in order to get ready to go to work because it's like an hour-long commute. So I was just laying there, looked up at the ceiling, suddenly decided to play some Neo, and I made this poor decision to wake up. Like my body, uh, like the alarm clock in my head just goes off where it's like I wake up before my alarm clock goes and decide to play some Neo. So I hop into the shower, I get out, and immediately start playing up until the point that I need to leave. And so I've been trying to like get as much progress in that game as possible gotten pretty darn far far in that game and unlocked some pretty strong equipment so that's kind of been it for me as well we talked so much about it before though so Mm -hmm. i'm not going to get too deep into it um but moving on to brian uh he says is what you've got listed here is nothing actually good wars 2 no what the hell are you talking (laughs) about well guild wars 2 is kind of like I'm invested into it, so I play it whenever they update it. Sure. And they recently added a new raid to the game, so that's kind of been, you know, whenever a new raid comes out for Final Fantasy XIV or Guild Wars or any of these games, it's a commitment to learn them, find your group, you know, get your get your kills and your pulls in. So that's kind of been my last week and a half. What's this raid like? Uh, what class do you play, and what's the, that class's role in this new raid? Well, a little bit of history. Guild Wars 2 did not launch with any raids, which a lot of people thought was kind of a mistake. They had these like dungeons that no one really liked, and not a lot of you know very suitable end game content. But then with the expansion, they finally added some raids. But it was kind of like a slow, a slow burn. Like they added them piecemeal, like bit by bit. But now they finally like just dropped a whole one on us. Like here's the whole thing right here. And so, so it's this like of... the first time it's like a full raid just up right. front was released. Yeah, That's, yeah, oh, wow. front, yeah, yeah. So. Uh, I normally play the Druid class, which is one of the main healers of the game. So it actually wasn't really my choice to play the healer. I normally play a, a class that's called either Guardian or Dragon Hunter, which is a DPS class. But is Dragon Hunter new? Like it's, it, it wasn't, well, uh, wasn't one of the launch ones? It's yeah, it's with it with the expansion. Oh, okay. Um, but when when raids first came out, Dragon Hunters were just not suited for raids. Like no one wanted them. They didn't have a skill set that anyone thought was valuable. So they said, Brian, why don't you just be a healer instead? And I go, okay, why not? Uh, so that's kind of my role usually. Um, so I've beaten the raid. It's it's kind of it's without spoiling anything. It does kind of pull back to Guild Wars One from like ten years ago. So it's like a lot of nostalgia for longtime fans. Uh, Things like that. So it was it was really fun. Uh, it's got like optional achievements and things like that, which I'm trying to work on now, piece by piece. But yeah, that was you know that took my week because you spend a lot of time. Anyone who's mm-hmm. rated in an MMO, you know, pulling and dying and wiping and learning sure. and, and dying, and eventually you win. So how's the how's the player base blaming and blaming the healers? I, I think it's it's obviously you know small compared to mm-hmm. things like World of Warcraft or. Final Fantasy 14, but I think it's stable. Obviously, that's kind of just my impression without really any real data behind it. But uh, I would say that the that the stable player base is probably like five hundred thousand to a million. Wow! Uh, it sold like five million, but I'm assuming that the vast majority of those are inactive accounts. Yeah, they moved but, on. <laughs> yeah, but but uh, it's I think it's a stable player base, and there's always a lot of activity whenever they release these raid wings and things like that. I think the PVE side of the game ever since they started adding those has been in a lot better place. Is if guild only, versus if, guild actually a thing? Cause I don't give at launch it uh, for no, guild. It's, 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 actually... it's, it's still not, I'm not much of a PVP player, but the, the world PVP has kind of languished and the, uh, there is no guild versus guild. So 
now people are kind of like, okay, you've got your PVE in a good place. What about your PVP? And personally, I don't think about that as much because it's not really my realm. But other people are still disappointed. But yeah, I remember having a handful of friends that were super big into the Guild Wars One PVP scene. Well, yeah, Guild Wars One, Guild versus Guild was huge, and it's just they decided they didn't have the resources to properly implement it in Guild Wars Two, and it's like, oh, okay, I guess. Hmm. I guess yeah. I'd rather have that than something that's half-assed. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Good point. But yeah, that's been my week. Awesome. Are they still making expansions for that game? Because I know they put out, was it Heart of Thorn or whatever it was? Right. They're 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 currently making another expansion. Yeah. Like, I forgot they haven't that. they haven't officially revealed it, but like developers on Twitter have said, like, I am the narrative lead for expansion two or, or whatever. So basically, we know it exists. <laughs> okay. We know, so, we know it exists. Uh, the rumor is, is that it's going to be smaller scale, like something like 20 or $30 instead of like 50 or 60 So that's the rumor. I don't know. There's nothing really substantiating that other than larger guilds talking that might have connections to the devs, but we don't know anything about it. The last the last expansion was announced at a PAX event, PAX South. So this one might come out at PAX East or Prime this year. I don't know. That'd be kind of interesting. I mean, it just seems weird. Like, when was Guild Wars 2 originally uh, um, released? Uh, late 2012. Oh, yeah. yeah. Or 11. Much longer lifespan than wow. Guild Wars 1, that's for sure. Because I think Guild Wars 1 only had, like, what, one or two expansions, period? Because I remember, like... Well, Guild, War, Guild Wars 1 had three, but oh, yeah. it was really kind of silly, weird, because expansions, the first expansion and the second expansion released nine months apart. It was quite a fast pace. So they're kind of got a much different, uh, like, a much different... I don't know what you want to call it, organized stream now where they're updating their main game and then their expansions are every three years instead. So it's quite a bit different. Yeah, I know Funcom hasn't been having like a great track record lately with a lot of their games. It just seems to... Good Wars 2 is Funcom, is that right? Uh, NC Soft. So NC like Soft. Linea- Lineage, Blade and Soul, uh, a couple others that I don't remember. I enjoyed my time at Good Wars 2. I actually bought that at launch with a friend and we... We were into it for like oh. about a good two to three months. Like the, just the, the journey up until the end game for the original. Like I had, I think I enjoyed the journey more so than the end game for sure. Well, like uh, I said, the, the original end game was was not great. Yeah, it's, I don't. I, I don't want. I, I don't want to call it stellar now, but it's a lot better than it was. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I so. was I was thinking of ArenaNet. And actually, they've only made Guild Wars, so that makes more sense. Okay, yeah, because NT Soft is the publisher, so that makes more right. sense. That's awesome. You know, that's a kind of a game that I always thought about getting into just because it's the it's the, you know, buy it once, get get to experience this online game in perpetuity. And so if it's been getting better and better, then I might consider trying it one of these days because I can't get into Final Fantasy 14 because the monthly fees. But with Guild Wars 2, I feel I feel kind of more obligated to try it out. I think like the only other game I can think of that really does that lately is like Black Desert Online or something. So that'd be nice nice to try it out if it's something you'd recommend. I would. I mean, mainly because you can get the whole experience if it's on sale for like twenty five dollars, and then if you don't like it, it's a one time purchase. Yeah, if you do like sale. it, you have it. So it's on sale a lot too, so that makes some yeah. sense. So. All right. So yeah, if you've been playing Guild Wars, uh, Adam, what have you been playing? It just seems like a lot of. You, you told so me I, just before this you already beat Skies of Arcadia, and that blew my mind. Yeah. Um, still working, just basically working on some backlog stuff. I, I know Neo has gotten like rave reviews and all that, but actually a lot of the February releases I wasn't really into. 
so I've been just taking some time to play some backlog games. I finished Skies of Arcadia. I think Skies of Arcadia. I can. I. I. I definitely see the appeal in like the overall tone of the game and in, in the characters of the game, and those are by far its strongest, its biggest strengths. Um, maybe I would have felt differently if I played it 15 years ago, but I kind of feel like both mechanically and how, where the story, the story trajectory felt really samey to a lot of JRPGs oh. felt by the numbers paint by, uh, you know, paint by numbers, uh, type of deal. It was kind of cliche kind of, you know, it almost felt like I had played it before, even though I hadn't. Um, so I was kind of like disappointed that it, it wasn't very, it didn't feel very creative to me. Um, in, in, ter- in terms of those respects, but I do give the game a lot of props because it totally avoids like any sort of like overdone melodrama or like overdone like emotional scenes that don't hit or anything like that. It really doesn't have much drama in the game at all. It's it's very upbeat. I said this before, and adventurous and um, positive, and so it kind of maintains that that tone, that style throughout. And I kind of I really appreciated that that. It seems like a lot of games, especially Japanese games, um, but not just Japanese games, like they tend to go a little bit overboard with emotion and drama, and this game does not. Oh, that's definitely a JRPG trademark. Western doesn't really get into that too much. Yeah. I do. <laughs> I totally agree with that that opinion. It's just so I I I I, I, I give it props for that because it, it that was that was a bit of a it did feel kind of fresh even though the game is you know fifteen whatever years old. Um, yeah, but it's... just the story stuff, like it's like you're fighting an evil empire, and then like the villain is basically just I want power, and that's really the only motivation for anything that's happening in this game is because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because I want power. Um, and it's just it's and then it's like villain, col- yeah. collect the MacGuffins and keep them away from the empire. It's literally collect the MacGuffins is your pl- your your motivating like the story motivation. Basically, ninety-five percent of the game is collect the MacGuffins, so it's nice. like so the that, that, that they're they're stars is what they or moons is what they call them, like the red moon and the yellow moon and the uh, purple moon, and it's just like yeah, <laughs> it just feels so rote in a sense. But I, like I said, I do get props for some of its tone and things like that. It's um, it that's what it's got going for it. But what I've been playing now that I finished Guys of Arcadia with Zelda Breath of the Wild coming out in less than two weeks now, yeah. um, even, even though I'm probably not getting a Switch at launch, partially because you can't seem to find one for pre-order anymore. Um, Poor Brian. Yeah, You <laughs> so can find it. He just refuses to go anywhere else but Amazon. So that's his problem. <laughs> but I, I had a couple of uh, Zelda games that I hadn't actually played that I've been meaning to for a while. One of them is Skyward Sword, the most recent 3D entry. Um, hard to uh, believe that was like six years ago now, 2011, I think. Yeah, I haven't even played uh, it myself. So Because they've had the remasters since then, Wind Waker and Twilight Princess. Wait, that's on that's on Wii U now, isn't it? Uh, Skyward Sword. Well, like it Skyward came out Sword, it has a... You can buy it on Wii U eShop. Yeah. Like Wii, Wii, uh, Wii, Wii, or Wii Virtual Console. Wii, Wii Virtual Wii, Console. Wii, Wii. Wii on Wii U. There okay. you go. Whatever you call it. Um, so I had watched, actually, Brian play this when it launched, but I kind of wanted to play it myself just to get the full experience of it. Um, mm-hmm. Skyward Sword, there's a couple of things about it that I like in terms of like its storytelling up 
Breath of the Wild seems to be taking it even further, but this game definitely has a little bit more of a story focus in the other games in terms of like cutscene direction and dialogue and things like that. Um, I think it kind of overdoes it maybe a little bit, but I think what it, it does do it fairly well um, for Zelda. But the way that the game has you kind of go to the, it go, you go to three different provinces and collect the guffins. Um, and then the you kind of like, I don't I'm even remember. <laughs> Zelda games, you're just collecting whatever the things are. Um, all Zelda games are. Yeah. Well, you, you go to the three provinces, like the forest area, the volcano area, and the desert area. And then there's like a story scene, and then you go to the three areas again to like collect something else. And then there's another. No, story. you forgot. You forgot something. You you every, between all those story scenes, you, you always fight. fight like, yep. So the it's like the it's like the reoccurring boss that you fight. It's like the main demon of the game. But yeah, it's, it's a very it feels kind of repetitive because you go to these three locations, then you fight this boss, and then you go to the three locations mm-hmm. again, and then you fight the boss again. And then you go to the, each of the locations a third time, and it just kind of mm-hmm. feels like, uh... Did you get a it, timer for how long the tutorials stopped at that game? They they never really stopped, because there's so... <laughs> I, was, I was just about to get to... The game has a ton of, like, these mini-quests, um, and there's, it, like, it, it's introducing mechanics for, like, different, like, mini-games throughout the game. Like, I had heard of the infamous Tadtone game, which is, like, a swimming mini game where you're collecting these little tadpole music notes um you've heard of that right yeah mm-hmm. so that was that was one thing that i had lingering on my mind that's something that people hated and it came a lot later than the game i expected it's like the when you visit the, the forest area for a third time oh really yeah, i thought it, it showed up earlier oh okay it, it's one of the very last things you do really and then you you go there and it's like introducing this game and this collectathon type thing but there's so many other mini quests where you're like sent to collect stuff and then there's so many other parts of the game where like you're in the you're in the volcano area and then it's like how do we get past this area well we have to we actually have to go back to the forest area and do something there and then go back to the volcano area so and then you, there's not even like a, a quick travel system in the game really so you have to get back on your little bird thing and mm-hmm. then you have to fly back up to the sky and then you have to fly back over to the forest area and then pick a landing spot Go get whatever you needed to get. Then you go to go back to the sky, go fly over to the volcano area. And it's just kind of like it feels like cutting. So it just most definitely is. It's it did get kind of tedious at points, and that's not even talking about like the different. Uh, in the main city of the game, Skyloft, there's a. You can do like these quests for the townspeople there to get crystals, and it's just for like extra items and things. And that, that requires you to do even more of this kind of back and forth traveling. And it's, it did get a little bit old. That's kind I of the, say- the, the bigger problem with that game is just the gameplay aspect of it. Like, it looks well, really nice, but the gameplay was kind of a bummer. I will say that the dungeons were better than I expected. Um, uh, I feel like it does a better job than maybe, like, Twilight Princess in terms of, like, Twilight Princess and other Zelda games, too. You get, like, the dungeon item, and you only use it for that dungeon, and you kind of, like, forget about it. Um, I think Skyward Sword does a little bit better job. Like, you get the whip in an earlier dungeon, but then in later dungeons, you'll end up still using the whip item plus other items you get later. Um, and then, like, the final dungeon in the game, it does a pretty good job of kind of, like, puzzles that require use of all your different items that you've collected. Um, and I just think the design in general is pretty well done. But just kind of this in-between dungeon stuff and the fact that you kind of retread these three same three areas 
three times each and fight the same boss three times. Um, slight differences, of course. It's just it's a little bit lower on my Zelda ranking, if you will. Yeah, that's a general consensus. I think that. Uh... Yeah, uh, I know some people really, really love like the story of it, mm-hmm. which I can see. I can see why, because it's definitely got a little bit more of a focus there. But I don't think it makes up for some of these annoyances. It's a beautiful looking game, that's for sure. For the Wii, yeah, it's yeah. not like HD or anything, but uh, it's it's got a great art style. It's it's like a mix between like Twilight Princess's realism and Wind Waker's cartoony uh, stylized art style. It's kind of like it 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 feels like a like a a well made cartoon, if you will. It's it's it does it seems like uh, at least from what. The reaction when Breath of the Wild was revealed, it seems like it's a good bridge to that game um, in terms yeah. of the visual style because it's got some of that sort of the palette it's, is kind of similar to that. It's like not cell shaded, but it's it's yeah. kind of got that same like sort of look, sort of where Breath of the Wild looks even more cell shaded. So uh, it's kind of like that's you can see the path they're going with with Zelda games, and I think it works. Yeah, it's just gonna be weird when Breath of the Wild seems to have a more at least from that trailer from. Uh, the switch that, that one's even taking the story elements like obviously it's got voice acting and all that now yeah so that's a so serious story yeah so but it's also yeah. open world so there might be like big swaths of game where you're just like exploring and doing whatever you do in that game who knows it's two weeks um, away gosh yeah you have to go back through each of the ruins in there 10 times <laughs> backtracking all the damn time that's my that's my concern is that that's what we were talking about before about the uh, there's got to be a good amount of content for the game that they're trying to make so we'll have to see about that but you would also mm-hmm. been playing some and also, um, yeah well also skyward sword also has like a uh, like a it's like a it's like a an upgrade system for the different items you get like you get your bow and then by collecting different treasures you can upgrade it to like be a little bit stronger and shoot a little faster and things like that and that also seems to be like the, maybe the type of things that kind of is building towards what we might see in Breath of the Wild, where um, you get um, rather than just getting an item like an Ocarina of Time, and then it's just that's the item, like some sort of like crafting or improving or the different items you get seems to be going a little bit more in that RPG direction relevant for our site. So, I don't know, but I'm also, probably just going to treat Breath of the Wild like if you can upgrade the durability of it or how much you can ride it. I should yeah. probably just prioritize that just to create like a Tony Hawk Pro Skater game. That's... <laughs> I forgot you could like ride the shield or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I do remember um, that like being forever. a thing um, before. Maybe, maybe I'm thinking of like there was like the old Zelda cartoon where he actually rode a shield. <laughs> like that was actually a thing. He, I think oh, he flew on oh. it too. It was such a weird because it was um, Around the time that they actually showed that gameplay being shown, um, someone posted a clip of the of the cartoon when he just like randomly at the yeah, end of an he, episode got on his shield and flew away over a bunch of trees. He like he like <laughs> props himself up with an exploding bomb. Yeah, oh yeah, he, he like he launches himself with a bomb. <laughs> Such a, I was like, I Fucking hope we can man. do something like that because yeah, I could recreate that moment. <laughs> Jesus, it's like the developers must have been looking at that stuff. <laughs> I'm I, glad to know they're they're, pro, they're taking inspiration from the proper Zelda. Yeah, properties. <laughs> I love the cartoon. Uh, I grew up watching that stuff, so I'm okay with that. So I've also been playing not only Skyward Sword but Spirit Tracks. Spirit uh, Tracks yeah. is a little bit lesser known because it you know the the 2D games and the handheld games don't get nearly as much. Uh, I guess 
attention as the, the big console releases, of course. Of course. Even but if I Minish Cap is the best, by the way. Minish Cap is all the Capcom games, Minish Cap and the Oracle games. Those are probably my favorite ones. They're, oh, yeah. They're, they're really, really good. well made. Really, really good. Yeah. Anyways, so Spirit Tracks, I've heard actually a lot of good things about it, um, both uh, mechanically and in terms of how it uses its characters. Um, but I, I wanted to play it for myself because it's, I just, it's been, I, I just figure I should probably play it eventually and why not play it now before Breath of the Wild hits. Um, so one of the things I had heard about Spirit Tracks is that it has a really good Zelda. So Zelda in a lot of the games is kind of like the damsel in distress or the person that basically sends Link on her, on his quest and doesn't do a whole lot. In, in most of the Zelda games. Skyward Sword is a little bit better, but she still spends half the game, like, suspended in a crystal or whatever. Yeah. But in, in Spirit Tracks, there's actually a cutscene really early in the game. Basically, Zelda loses her body and is basically a ghost. And she's like, what am I going to do? I guess I'll just have to wait here for you, Link, because that's what princesses do. And then another character in the game is like, nah, you should go with them. <laughs> yeah. um, and so, like, it, it's actually kind of self-aware that it's, it's a little bit more self-aware than I expected where they kind of poke fun at that Zelda usually just sits around waiting for Link to save her, save the day or That's whatever. That's why princess. Kind yeah. Of like, yeah. <laughs> or Wind Waker. I, Wind Waker, like, as soon as Tetra turns into Zelda, they're like, okay, you're going to be Spoilers! Jeez. <laughs> I didn't even know that. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Anyways, I just kind of didn't know that, but yeah. Let's, 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 let's just avoid some spoilers here, by the way. <laughs> I didn't realize that was still a spoiler. Oh, yeah. Anyways, uh, so, like, basically there's this scene early in the game where he's, like, all the Zelda games kind of have Link has uh, something that kind of speaks as his stand-in, like, Mm -hmm. as, you know, because Link can't speak. Uh, Navi or Midna or Fee or Fi or whatever the sword is in Skyward Sword. Does Navi speak for him at any yeah. point? I like, you know he speaks well, directly to Link, uh, she, I guess, or whatever. Well, maybe not, not, maybe not for Link. But anyways, yeah, uh, Zelda basically takes on that role in this game and is basically hanging around the whole time, um, and uh, she's got a lot of agency in the game because she's basically. I mean, Link doesn't talk at all, so she, in a sense, she almost feels like the main character because she's the one basically, you know, c- communicating with all the characters in the game for you. Um, so I'm not too far into the game. I just beat the first couple of dungeons, but it's, I can see why people say that the spirit track Zelda is actually one of the best ones because she's, she's got presence, she's got agency, uh, and basically is, you know, contributing the whole time to the game. Um, and I thought it was kind of an aside. I thought it was really cool that Smash Brothers four, they changed one of Zelda's moves in that game to be basically a reference to spirit tracks with the little, uh, the the night thing that she possesses uh so i thought that was a really cool touch that they actually referenced a, a lesser known zelda game for that um that's kind of nice yeah i appreciate that kind of stuff <laughs> like they're not just referencing the big console games they have this direct reference to spirit tracks in, in smash as one of her moves um and the game's also really snappy for some reason I, because it's a ds game i was expecting it to be kind of clunky or whatever i'm not sure why but the game is really really snappy you control it with the stylus the whole time which i know may not sound appealing but it, it works really well so i like how it controls that's the thing like what was, what was the other um zelda phantom hourglass 
That was the other DS one. Yeah, I think that like yeah. that one was the game that people had some problems with the controls with, and then Spirit Tracks seemed to like remedy a lot of the issues with that, or at least made it smoother. Uh, I still don't really like the idea of controlling a character like that with the with the stylus, only because it wasn't always consistent. Uh, but it was still a very fun game, and I did like the story in Spirit. Tracks I, I know, I know. Generally, people, yeah, Spirit Tracks seems to be generally better received than. Phantom Hourglass. Yeah. Um, although it's, I know it's got. I know some people don't like some of like the train mini games or whatever that you can do with it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think otherwise, it's it's pretty solid. Not as good as the Capcom games though. No, because those games are hard to beat. Oh, they're so good. I wish Capcom would work with them. Again. I I love the Oracle games especially. And Minish Cap is great too. Yeah. I spent so much time on Minish Cap, and I didn't. I didn't even get to beat it, but I spent hours and hours on that game. It was so much fun. And also, just the the two D styles of those are always going to beat the the DS three D that <laughs> that the Spirit Tracks and Phantom Hourglass use. Sprites are cool. So that's what you've been mostly playing then. A lot of Zelda. Yep, just catching up on them Zelda before Zelda hits. Yeah. Did you pre-order the Switch? Nope. Oh, okay. So I, I might not even get Breath of the Wild at launch, but I'll, I'm sure I'll play it soon enough. Oh, you don't own an, a Wii U at all. I I have a Wii U, so I could get the Wii U yeah, version. Yeah, if you wanted to, like if you're not sold uh, on the Switch, you can always at least play the game itself, you know, because it's. I I don't assume it's going to be substantially different. Yeah, maybe I'll maybe I'll consider the Wii U version if it turns out it gets like if people review it and turns out hey it actually works fine and whatever. Yeah, it's like the GameCube versus Wii argument at that point. Well, like Twilight for Princess. Twilight Princess, yeah. the GameCube version, a lot of people like more. Not only just. Not only just uh, controls because it wasn't motion controls, but um, left-handed actually... link. <laughs> that was the best part. <laughs> but the, the game, there wasn't a whole lot of difference between like GameCube and Wii's like 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 power right. in terms of graphics and power and like performance. So the yeah, line they're, they're not HD. So <laughs> or at least I mean, well, I guess with the Wii, you could get it up to HD with the ca- right cables and everything. But like that was like. Was a seven twenty i or something like that? Yeah. Like it get get the best of. Any case, that's that's awesome. Uh, so oh, yeah, I'm in Zelda. Good. I I th- I'm very excited for uh, Breath of the Wild, and the more information that we get, the better. And actually, speaking of which, moving on to news, there's actually been some details revealed about Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild, uh, and the announcement of an expansion pass. Uh, so, Josh, what's up with that? <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, a weird thing to announce, but you know, yeah. Nintendo's getting on the on the season pass uh, thing and whatnot. This isn't the first time they've done it, of course. No, but uh, Breath of the Wild uh, is getting an expansion pass, which uh, is right now two DLC packs uh, priced at twenty bucks. At the moment, it's only sold as a bundle. Uh, there's no way to actually buy them separately. Obviously, at the moment, I don't know if they're actually they have plans to sell them separately. I imagine so, but who knows. Uh, they kind of laid out uh, a little bit of what's going to be on these. Uh, contact, content Pack 1 is going to be out this summer. That's adding a hard mode, a Cave of Trials challenge, and a f- new feature for the in-game map while Content Pack 2 comes out this holiday. And that has a, an entirely new dungeon and new original story as well. So Content Pack 2 seems to be uh, pretty substantial. Uh, hopefully that, you know... It, it it's gonna be weird because uh, Nintendo has to kind of figure out a way, or is kind of banking on Breath of the Wild uh, being long enough and replayable enough for people to come back to it this holiday, and for for people, it makes sense for people to like you know go back to the Zelda that's been out what like 
six five to six months uh, after the fact you know so oh it's kind of one of those things like hopefully breath of the wild is substantial enough on, on itself to keep people entertained until the these new content pack hits it's kind of like the a little bit of the skyrim problem except uh, skyrim had like the gen- generated quests and whatnot so we'll see i mean that's that's okay i mean i don't really mind it too much uh getting more mileage out of breath of the wild for sure I I, i'm kind of interested to see how the the cave of trial challenge mode i've i've never been really a fan of like the zelda itch survival modes so hopefully that'll be pretty uh, a cool take on it i i do think it's kind of like contact content content pack two, i know it's hard isn't it, <laughs> it content pack two is like significantly more like appealing than content pack one. Oh yeah but it doesn't dungeon. matter either way. Like you have to get both. At the right. Uh, otherwise, you'd only buy content pack two. I think. I mean, hard mode and cave of trials is kind of weird because those were included like in base games before. Yeah. So, and like, I've seen the defense that like, well, the base game is hard mode. There's people in the first zone that can one shot you, and I, I don't know how I feel about that defense. It's like, eh. I I'm not a big fan of the hard mode being behind an expansion pass. Like that's something that, that I would just want to have as like in, a, unless it was. Game. Like I know Twilight Princess HD has, and I think Wind Waker HD has like the hard mode unlocked right away. You can do it right away if you want. Or what what it normally is in Zelda games is enemies don't drop hearts and then you take double damage. So it's not like it's like intricately designed or anything. It's just kind of uh, you know boof, buffing some stats for enemies sure but um, this but, is like a totally different game and i would be interested well, in trying it on a harder difficulty like that i just think that that's a weird thing to lock away and also I, I i think it's kind of amusing how one of the advertised uh things in content pack one is uh game map feature yeah <laughs> like what is it yeah I, I, like i i i, I kind of joke like maybe that's fast travel and you can't get fast travel unless you buy the dlc <laughs> Oh, that'd be some real garbage if you couldn't. Yeah, do that. I doubt it. But, uh, but like game map feature, like this such a weird thing to advertise as DLC in such a vague way. I mean, I, I think it's one of those things. Like I, I don't know. This seems kind of how I play Zelda games is I play them for like I don't know a good amount of hours and I beat them. I don't really go back for a second playthrough on them. So I'm not sure if there's like kind of enough for me to actually look at it again like in six to seven months after i beat it and like, oh, yeah. oh looking back i thought you were saying the game itself I'm like are you insane <laughs> well i mean it kind of depends on what the what the bonus dungeon is or whatever that they do i wouldn't uh, I, I wouldn't i know i know i see I've, I've seen a lot of people like say like they definitely get it if it like the bonus dungeon for the content pack two is like you like a playable zelda or whatever because zelda has like never been playable other than like hyrule warriors um so like that'd be kind of cool. that'd be something that'd be something that'd be it would it would certainly sell some dlc if they sell some dlc if they said hey you can play zelda yeah, <laughs> at least like, at least the price seems right you know because this is, like relatively speaking this is definitely on the cheaper side of the spectrum for season passes like season of, season pass reminds me of get, the mario kart yeah. pass mm-hmm. um mario kart had like a 20 dollar pass and you ended up getting like i think it was literally like double the tracks well, it, it was a um, lot of content for that it's, it's a little bit it's a little bit easier to count for a racing game because you're just counting tracks and characters basically um so it's hard to it's not like a one-to-one comparison but that was that came to mind but 
it kind of just depends on what this new dungeon is. If it's just kind of a, a quickie dungeon that you can do in 40 minutes that gives you, like, another heart container, like, I would do. <laughs> yep. So. I still think one of the coolest things was the the Splatoon schedule uh, content layout that they did. It's like, hey, you know, like, you're getting it 60 bucks, and, like, it short seems kind of light on day one, but over time, that thing really grew, and it is definitely one of the best packages out there for the Wii U for 60 bucks now with all yeah. the content out. If there's one thing that's been kind of con- uh, constant with Nintendo is that they really deliver a lot of additional, you know, downloadable content like years after the fact, like even Animal Crossing is getting new content, or did in any case. And so it does feel like you're going to get your money's worth, but it obviously all hinges on whether Breath of the Wild, because you said like you don't know if you'll play this like six months down the line. I mean, with Zelda, of course, there's this acceptance that there's going to be a level of quality to expect out of it, that at least you know that this is going to be a decent game. Uh, of course, our problem is that it's been kind of... It's been a little while since there's been a really like universally uh, praised Zelda game. I mean, Twilight Princess and Skyward Sword have both have their detractors, and so it kind of makes you wonder if they still got it. And so, at least from those that got to play the very tiny amount, because apparently the demo that they had at the uh, Switch reveal is the same one that they had at E3. So there has, still hasn't been uh, people been able to kind of go outside of the uh, barriers that they set up for the content. So we we'll really find out in two weeks. Yeah, I mean, it's when Josh was uh, talking know. about like not not sure if you want to go back to it. it kind of feels like Final Fantasy 15, where it, <laughs> it is open world, but they keep they keep like adding. Like these weird, or they're planning to add like these weird updates to it. We talked about this on the last podcast, and it's just like, do you once you beat a game like that, do you really want to go back to it? All right, Adam. Imagine this: just one month after it comes out, Navi Festival. Navi. Yeah, it's an annual. <laughs> but I think, in my in my opinion, it's that uh, there's very few games that I'll go back and play again. So a lot of it depends on if the story is good enough to make me want to play it again. Because of course, like Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask, sure, I'll go back and beat those games multiple times because I've always enjoyed my time with that, and it's not a very long game. If Breath of the Wild is an open world game and it's going to be a long one. I think yeah. it's going to be kind of, you know, a little bit more demanding to make me want to go back and play it, especially because from what we all know about 2017 is shaping up to have a lot of games worth playing, or at least that's the perception anyway. Mm-hmm. So actually, yeah, but... so, so speaking of which, actually, that's that's kind of what uh, we found out about yesterday as of this recording. Uh, nice America had their annual press event. And they always uh, seem to deliver a bunch of surprises that we can get excited about uh, while also confirming details about their already announced games. So uh, the biggest news coming out of that, arguably, is the release date announcement because back at PlayStation Experience, Danganronpa V3 uh, was, of course, announced for localization. Uh, It was kind of odd that it was announced at a Sony event before Nice America could really do that because it wasn't even confirmed for the West, even if we knew, of course, it was going to happen. So uh, Nice America confirmed Danganronpa V3 Killing Harmony will be released on September 26th in North America and the 29th for Europe. Uh, both PlayStation 4 and Vita. We have not announced a Steam release as opposed to the other games that have come out on Steam, but you know maybe we'll get that down the line. Um, just to kind of not not to dwell too much on each of these points that we're going to talk about, but of course, Dungeon Bumper came out in uh, January, 
Japan. 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 Someone I mentioned on Twitter that it was kind of somewhat of a mixed reaction to it. Is that true, Josh? Or if you know, I mean, I I don't really follow the Dungan Rumpa yeah, series that I much. I, I, that yeah, I, I know. I've spoken to some people that have played it, and you know, it's it's a definitely a new setting, so it's definitely a new cast. Uh, yes. That that's not really, really leaning too much on the the prior two games, and while they did like. You know a lot of the like the new death scenes that are happening in that game. Um, it just seems kind of they're left. They were left kind of dumbfounded by the end of it. I guess is the best way to put it. It's it it kind of has a weird spot in that series, so to speak. So they they don't know what to really make of it. It it seems like the reception is more lukewarm than uh, what most people expect. They expected like a lot more excitement and you know what the future brings for Danganronpa, but this one is a little kind of left. Uh, I'm not exactly sure of how you actually measure, you know, the like the merit of these games because I've never really been into Danganronpa series. It just seems to me that like the, the reception to me has, is a little bit more lukewarm than what I've uh, witnessed for the other two releases. Yeah, to give you some insight, Danganronpa 1 <laughs> and 2 are one of the, what, four games that we've given a 10 out of 10 for, the other two being Mass Effect 2 and Persona 4 Golden. So, uh, clearly, we've got a very high opinion of them, and you know anyone who hasn't played them definitely needs to go out and play them. And actually, that's kind of the other bit of news that they showed off was um, you know we're only a little bit like a month out. I mean, I think they already confirmed the release date for this, but Duncan Europa One yeah. and Two Reload uh, coming out on was it March twenty first? We don't have the date on the dock, but I think it was around there, right? I think it was like March 13th, I want to say, oh, March off 13th. the top of my head. Yeah, one check. Uh, March fourteenth. March fourteenth. Excuse me. Yes. Both were on, uh, but you were a lot closer, Josh. So, uh, yeah, only three four hours <laughs> off. Yes, so <laughs> that's and, and that's crazy. And then you've got, of course, uh, another episode. Uh, up another episode. Ultra Despair Girls coming out this summer. So you got all these games like pretty close together in terms of people who have never played these games but want to try them out for the first time, whether and, it's on... Uh, and basically you can play them on Vita or on PS4 or on Steam, Yes, with the exception of the new game doesn't have a Steam release. If you think about yeah. it, every yeah. single Danganronpa game is getting released this year. It's crazy. That's crazy to that's, think about. <laughs> it was, when you think about it, cause, yeah, um, because back when Danganronpa 1 was announced for localization, it was 1 and 2. 1 was released like, in the springtime. Uh, 2 was released in the fall. So it's kind of got a repeat of that year again um, for people like us in the West. And personally, yeah, I'm still really excited to play out V3. I had a huge amount of fun with the first two. Uh, fun, relatively speaking, it was also extremely depressing. And I cried on both those games. So uh, um, that's it, it, they're very tough. Like, you don't even know, Josh. Like, those games hit you really hard because uh, you build... The problem is, like, if you... And actually, that was the joke they were made when they revealed the characters in V3. It's like, all right... Recognize the characters, but don't get too attached to them because you never know. Like they'll immediately get killed. <laughs> so it's 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 that kind of um, feeling that that series has had. But and then of course, Danganronpa three, the anime, uh, came in and threw a wrench into that whole expectations once again because they brought back characters that you know were killed and then did other things to them. So it's it's like opening old wounds kind of thing. So mm. uh, I'm, I'm excited to check that out. But another piece of news that they announced. Uh, this is actually moving into the actual... Uh, well, let, let's kind of order these a little bit because we've got details about both announcements, and, uh, like release date announcements, and actual new games. And so another thing that they showed off was Cloud and Returns. This uh, this is Sengoku, the dungeon crawler, sprite-based dungeon crawler. 
is going to be uh, released on June 6th in North America and June 9th in Europe. Like I think only so far there's only like a couple different games coming out in June so far that I've heard of, and one is like Stormblood, of course. So now we've got Cloud and Returns. I don't know if you guys ever played that game or Cloud Dune. I don't know how to pronounce it. But... I feel like I have. Not sure. So I reviewed the uh, the console version, kind of. Uh, was that which... X two? No, it, it was Lega Sista. It was basically okay. that game, but made for consoles. Like it was a lot of the same type of design, a little bit smoother. Uh, but Cloud and yeah, and one I think there was also, unless this is the game, there was a, a second game that was also released on the PSP, and then yeah, there's X2 that was released. You can get that on Steam if I'm not mistaken. Um, so very 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 good game, and I'm glad. Yeah, to this see yeah this is this is the third in the series. Yeah. I, I'm I'm not firsthand familiar with these, but the first two games were on PSP. Yeah. The second game went to Steam as well. The first game is just stuck on PSP. Um, so this is the third game, and this is going to be on Vita, PS4, and Steam. So as someone who liked uh, Sheer and the Wanderer, how do you feel about this game, jo- uh, Adam? Excuse me. I mean, it, um, Sheer and the Wanderer is a roguelike where this has like a similar. I just meant from like, like you, you're a fellow sprite fan. Is what yeah. I'm saying. yeah, I like the sprites. They're they're a little bit older school. Like it's more of an eight bit style. Yeah, uh, sprite, um, more pixely. Um, but this one's like it looks like an action RPG dungeon crawler. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like the type of game where you could real. It seems like it's the type of game where they have like tons and tons and tons of content like yes. floors you can go through. Um, you get to make your character. That's how deep it goes. And it just. It seems like the type of game that if this is if this is what your jam is, you could like dive really really deep into these. So, <laughs> just a this... uh, just a minor correction. There's only for Vita and PC, not PS4. Oh, okay. Uh, wait, uh, for Cloud and Returns? Mm-hmm. I have it listed for PS4. Weird. I, I'm looking at the press release. It says Vita and PC. Hmm. Hmm. Well, maybe. Maybe I'm crazy, but yeah, because yeah, I, I, yeah, they didn't, uh, yeah, this didn't get a PS4 release in Japan. Uh, I am looking at the first email that we got. This is Sengoku. will be coming to North America and Europe, spring 2017. Oh, okay. PlayStation All 4, right. PlayStation okay, Vita, and Steam. Okay, I'm crazy. All right. Okay. Mild I can't read. To the correction. Yeah. That's fine. I'll just blame it on the ear. The, the, it's always the yeah. ear's fault. And since we're talking about this, Adam, um, why don't you get into the other news that they also showed off, the other announcements. So, Nisa also, they've been releasing a lot of experiences, dungeon crawlers, like Demon Gaze and Stranger of Sword City. And one of them they released in 2015 was Operation Abyss for Vita, which was actually, uh, I probably like Stranger of Sword City is probably my favorite of that group. But Operation Abyss was a close second in terms of these dungeon crawlers. It was good. Um. It's got this really like super anime art style and all that, but it's got this guy like, color scheme into it that I think makes it stand out a little bit more. Um, but that's coming to PC next month in March. Um, that's one thing that Nisa is doing a lot now is taking their games like Disgaea and these games and other games, all their games, a lot of their games, putting them to PC. Um, they talked so about cool. that in the conference too. Like they said, yeah. like they're taking it very seriously. Yeah. So that's getting a PC release, and then that game. So Operation Abyss, I, I might have mentioned this in a previous podcast. What it is, is Experience kind of started out as like Japanese indie or close to that several years ago now. Yeah. And I forget I forget what the games were called offhand, but basically they took these original games they made and they basically remade them. 
um, and bundled them in different ways. And that became Operation Abyss as the first game. And then it has a sequel, Operation Babel, New Tokyo Legacy. So that game released in Japan several years ago and it's getting localized this year as well for Vita and PC in May. Um, and it's a direct sequel as far as I understand. Um, so it's a first-person dungeon crawler, so it's like the it's in the wizardry style. Um, you create your class, you basically create a team of characters from a set of classes. Uh, you splunk through these first-person dungeons. Yeah. Um, I tend to I have I have an affinity for these types of games because it's yeah. It's basically totally as a game. It's totally dependent on your configuration of your team and your party and your skills. Um, so rather than just like like grinding or you know, leveling up to, you know, overpower your, like, the various bosses and things. A lot of it comes down to, do you know how to, like, counter an enemy based on your configuration of of members and skill? See, that's, that's the kind of, like, like, to relate to that, uh, like, Etrian Odyssey, for example. Like, so, the great thing is that, so, your team is mostly just, you know, portraits. Like, that's a lot of what they are, because you can't see them, it's first person, so that's all they really are. The thing that I love about these games so much is that I personally like to make backstories for these characters as I play them. And, you know, the games that have, like, Permadeath, for example, it makes them that much harder to let go. Because you've built up this, like, this relationship between all your party members and, like, this person who, for example, this one party member has maybe saved your ass a lot, many different times, uh, like, the most, like, probably the most reliable person on your team that that's the greatest feeling that you get and like they don't talk or anything like that maybe they have like sound clips but that's about it and that's the cool thing for people like who have very active imaginations these are like the perfect games for people like them it, i i i understand what you mean it does feel a little bit silly but like in stranger of sword city another one silly. of these dungeons, i think it's great <laughs> well in, in stranger of sword city i had this ninja character who like would dodge everything and the way that these games work, basically, the faster you are, the more hits you get. Yeah. Um, and was like, basically, if he was alive, I stood a chance. But it, like, whatever he <laughs> fell, you gotta, you gotta feel, you almost like feel like a sorrow, even though like this this character doesn't have a personality; they're just a portrait on your screen. Yeah. They like they save your butt so many times that when they when they fail you, you're like you feel it. You're like. <laughs> and it's like because they, you, never, they have don't have weird, dialogue and they have don't this talk. weird yeah. attachment to them simply because of their of their utility to you. Exactly. Uh, I mean, that's you know that's I mean that's <laughs> that's a lot of the characters. And then like the problem like in some other RPGs, for example, is like once that person opens their mouth and starts talking, you start to lose that relation relationship that you have with them because you know this maybe there's something you just don't relate to that character. But like in these types of games, well, so, it's way more active and you have a so lot if more they don't, fun. If they don't it. talk to you, you can just imagine that they're the ideal type of character you want them to <laughs> <Yeah>. be. <laughs> People are not too social. Yes. Maybe. Uh, so anyways, so, yeah. so I'm looking forward to that game. I, I like these dungeon crawlers. I, I, I still feel like none of these dungeon crawlers from experience, stranger of sword city was the closest, but you, I, I've talked about before how the death system of that game, is really bad, uh, but yeah, it's like none of these games have hit it out of the park yet in terms of like being like an easy recommendation. I feel like they're all, if you like the genre, you might like it, but otherwise they're they all have they're all a big bag. I think. Yeah, that's that's the kind of experience. Even like Demon Gaze. The good thing about Demon Gaze is that it came out of nowhere in Japan and sold like ten times more copies than the, what they were expecting. So that's kind of where that went. In Demon Gaze too, there was no word about that at all in this press event. I was ex- so, I was expecting it because yeah. it came out of Japan yeah. six months ago, and that kind of feels like the 
the general time frame. Like the thing about Demon Gaze that's that's unique to Demon Gaze and interesting about it is you get like a you, you get your party of characters just like I mentioned before, but then you get like a tertiary member, the demon, that kind of acts on their own, and that's kind of a cool combination to have like uh, like you you have you have your party of characters that you basically have full control and agency over in terms of like, this is how I want to approach this battle. But then you kind of have this, you have this luck factor kind of, kind of built into it. Just uh, what this demon decides to do for you, you really have no control over them. And that's, that's kind of a cool, like uh, mix of, of skill and luck that I think is interesting. But thing about demon gaze, I felt like, one of the demons, Mars, which is basically the heavy hitter, was just so much more useful than every other demon. It kind of felt a little bit unbalanced. Uh, that was the big thing about that game I didn't like. There's like there were several bosses in that game. You just kind of had like felt like, all right, Mars, just do your just do your your ridiculously powerful attack every turn. Just do it, please, please. And you kind of <laughs> felt like you relied on them a little too much. But uh, but it was interesting enough that I'm willing to see what they do in a scene. Of course. And that's and that's that's something that they, I think they 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 kind of need to work on. Hopefully, they'll be able to produce something amazing if they're moving more into. Because it's like uh, there's another one that they just announced recently, right? Like another um, experience announced another dungeon crawler or some type of uh, game that was like an Xbox One game. They yeah, announced, they announced a game, but they said it wasn't a dungeon crawler, which is kind of oh. weird for them because like every single game of theirs yeah. is a dungeon crawler. <laughs> I, I forget what it's called. Uh, Something Sakuhana. Sakuhana. Yeah. yeah. Basically, all we know about that game is that there's like two characters, and it's like it's supposed to be more of an action. There, there's like an older woman and a younger girl. Um, one of them yeah. is named Sakura, the other I don't remember. And it's supposed to be like set in like feudal, not feudal, but like Sengoku era kind of style. Japan. Like it's supposed to be more of an action game of some sort, but they haven't really shown anything. It's all talk for now. Yeah. Yeah, there's like one screenshot that I remember. It's like just a, a cherry blossom tree. Yeah, it was like very vibrant and colorful. It's like okay, well, yeah, I guess like we'll the, hear of it, but never. <laughs> yeah, just like the key art, them standing on the bridge. So that's that's kind of like the news from like experience, and it just it definitely does seem like they're building up their relationship. Them and like Katakawa Games, like those are the two companies that Nice America has been getting very friendly with when it comes to localization. Oh uh, yeah, they have the uh, God Wars under their hand. Exactly. Yeah, I'm actually really looking forward to that. I, SRPGs are the, like one of my favorite genres. I feel like SRPGs can easily not be good. Um, oh, yeah. But when they're good... You actually reviewed Natural Doctrine. How do you feel about that? So. Well, Natural Doctrine was... So God Wars is an upcoming SRPG from Kadokawa. That's why I'm kind of um, concerned because Natural Doctrine wasn't so great. Well, so Natural Doctrine was like really, really like weird in terms of like it doesn't play like anything else i remember when it was coming out people were comparing it to valkyria chronicles but it's not like valkyria yeah chronicles. That. Uh, but uh, that game became like once you figured out how to play it you basically did the same thing over and over and over and over again adam would you say uh, it's the last remnant of srpgs no <laughs> but like the favorite game anyways i'm really looking forward to god wars uh i like srpgs i think the good FRPGs are really good, but I feel like it's they, uh, they the SRPG genre you can easily make them boring and bland. So, 
yeah something to be excited about and so hopefully we'll get some more news about that i know yeah god war speaking of which did get a release date announcement do, do you, you guys remember what well that, that was? was that was that was announced a, a while back oh march that's 28th. right march 28th for vita playstation 4 of course um, okay then that oh, I guess so we they didn't really on. announce anything they didn't really announce anything new for that other than that they're still uh, i kind of i gotta hope that like god wars is like uh just unexpected unexpectedly like yeah. I don't know, excellent game or something. Because I, I, I see the potential excellent. there. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't know. Gonna... Like the more I look at that game, it's like I, I don't actually care about it at the moment. But I want like to be surprised that like it actually turns out to be like super awesome. It's like oh shit. Well, kind of I... like when I when I played Summon Night five mm-hmm. two years ago. Um, like that's another SRPG, kind of a niche one from Gaijin Works. Um, but like I, 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 like I, like I said, sorry if I'm repeating myself, but like sometimes SRPGs, I just like really fall in love with them. But like games like Summon, I just kind of like didn't do it for me. They just kind of plain and boring. And God Wars could easily be that, but maybe, maybe it has a chance to be something interesting. Yeah, so. I'm actually that's the thing that uh, I mean. I actually kind of think it's a real shame that the Summon Night series, speaking of which, didn't become big in the West like the other like the other types of series. Just because even if Summon Night Five might not be the peak of that series, like there's so many good ones. Like I spent so much time in Swordcraft Story uh, on on my Game Boy, so I would love to see if they actually did more with that series, especially with Summon Night Six. Um, just Supposedly still re- releasing in March. We'll see if that actually happens. Yeah, and it's weird because like God Wars, for example, that was delayed in Japan to like yeah, April. it's that God Wars is coming out in America first, which yeah, is like because they really weird. weird. There's like about. technical problems, and that's why it didn't get released in time because it was supposed to come out in, like I think in February in uh, Japan. So yeah, that's that's kind of bizarre. You think that that a problems with the game, like the technical problems, would affect also the American version, but. Maybe East America is better this than people give them credit for. I don't know. That's a lot to see, I guess. Uh, but another news that they also came out with this event is that uh, Disgaea 5 Complete, which so far has only been announced for the Nintendo Switch, will be released on May 23rd. So kind of still in that spring 2017 kind of uh, uh, window that they gave it. So just to be clear... This is not, there's nothing new in this version of the game. What it is, is that they took the game and the season pass they made for the PS4 version, put them together, and put it on the Switch. That's really what it is, of course, also uh, um, modifying it for the fact that it's got to work on both on, on TV and as a handheld. So that's exciting. I think that Disguise 5 and 4 are personally the two best the series has ever been like the two best games in that series and so I think a lot more people really need to give it a try especially like Adam you, you said I mean you're obviously you're working through the series because you covered the I've first I've been playing the PC us. releases yeah yeah I was kind of hoping they would announce Disgaea 3 for PC release as well but I guess they're just it's too early to say something like that at this point but um because they I think they said like what well, they had like 19 games to announce at the event uh at the press event and so, and they're all coming out this year. Yeah, all coming out in 2017, of course. Then I was hoping one of those was the Sky, but you know, we talked about Demon Gaze Two was also, or Witch of the Hundred Night Two was we thought was also going to be one of them. But uh, that's the Sky Five complete. I think that anyone who's, who picks up a Switch really should do themselves a favor and pick up this game because I think that. If you look on our site, um, my review sort of speaks for itself. There's just so much content in there, and I think it does such great, uh, many great things with the um, taking on a lot of the elements from the 
past entries into this one and add in some cool new things like the, the board game mechanic, for example, and, uh, you know, the story and the characters and, and the new class that they added, like the, the zombie maid. <laughs> so there's a lot of cool things in that game that I think is worth uh, people uh, worth checking out. So I definitely give that one a try. And before we get into the uh, the big announcement that they showed. I'm kind of, uh, just a little so, bit on this guy, I'm kind of interested to see, yeah. like, if the, the handheld mode of the Switch will be able to like uh, handle like one of the some of the more flashier attacks uh, in that game at a consistent frame rate because I know that game could be very taxing and that's kind of one of the main reasons why yeah. Nice kind of transitioned to the PS4 on the original release exclusively until the Switch version of course but uh, very interested to see like if that game kind of breaks at that handheld mode. Yeah, because of course we they did already mention that the Switch isn't as powerful as the PlayStation 4. And the reason it didn't come to the Vita is that the Vita is kind of compar- uh, comparable to a launch era PS3 in terms of power. And mm-hmm. so I assume that with the memory limitations with the Vita, I just couldn't handle the fact that... So Disguise 5, the... You know, people who haven't really played the games can't tell the evolution in terms of the technical capabilities that that the game has grown and, uh, you know, the gameplay style is that they kind of pulled the camera back way more than the other entries have. So you have a lot more sprites on screen. I think they said like up to 100 sprites on screen. So, yeah, I'm I'm definitely with you. I don't know how they will be able to handle that. but and you can kind of you can kind of tell with Disgaea one and two on PC that they are effectively ports of PSP games. Yeah. Um, PSP games. You mean PS two games? Well, they're the PSP versions oh, that have all right. the PSP yeah. content. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if it's actually a port of the PSP game or if it's a port of the the PS two game with the PSP stuff kind of retroactively added in or you know whatever. But you can tell that it's kind of those games would have worked on PSP. Because all the levels, you know, like the enemies, there's on on any on any map, there's usually no more than like fifteen at most. That's probably ten, that's probably generous, like, sack, yeah. Yeah, ten ten or so enemies in most of the maps, um, and you can only bring like you you can bring up to ten characters. But from what I saw, Disgaea Five, you can have like like two dozen or more enemies on the screen in, in some of these really huge maps. So Disguise 5, up to 100. I, they, actually, it oh, does up to get, 100? Yeah, that's what wow. I said. Yeah, it actually is uh, substantially more than what it's been yeah. before. And, uh, you know... So that's why it's not on Vita. <laughs> yeah, Nippon Ichi, like I mentioned, took a... Yeah, they, they did take a big knock from Japan because they were PS4 exclusive. Like, it didn't sell as well. And so... And they were no. early too. It's, yeah, they're super early. Yeah. It's, not like, it's not like some of the games... Like, heck, even nowadays, most PS4 games in Japan also come out for Vita. Yeah, Gust um, is a big person, a big developer of that, like PS4 slash Vita. Some of, some of them have some like enhanced PS3. PS4 versions, but there's yeah. still not that many games that are like PS4 exclusives, Japanese games. No. And Disgaea was one, and that was, you know, 2015. There's still yeah. like almost none, <laughs> if you think yeah, about it. Like, is there another one? <laughs> no. Other than I'd... like Final Fantasy which is also on Xbox. Like, uh, Four Goddesses Online is actually PS4 exclusive. That's right, that just came out. yeah. That's, but that, we're going back to like the time of like Mega Oh, yeah, Mega around Mega that Mega era. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah you'd, you'd be I, I remember when the PS4 first came out, people were like, there are no Japanese games. And now there's plenty, but there's still a lot of them. I mean, remember, we're, we're getting yeah. more like Fear and Final Fantasy and uh, even but like even games like Tales of Berseria, you can tell was a, was a PS3 game initially. Mm-hmm. So. I mean that was pretty. I think they made it apparent they're using the old engine from Cesaria, so that that makes some sense. And you would hope that they're going to. And sort Persona of, Four is a PS3 game. 
PS Persona Five, you mean? Yeah. Persona Five. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Yakuza Zero is also a PS3 game originally. That's that's abs- and actually, well, Yakuza Zero is also on PS3 too. Like, it was yeah, that's what I said it's a PS3 game originally. Oh, okay. Originally, yeah. I, I just mean that mm-hmm. it was both so PS4 exclusive. Oh, so I think we made the point. PS4 exclusive yeah. Japanese games are still pretty <laughs> far in due. Oh, I'm excited because that's so. what I think made Disgaea Five so impressive is that because it was exclusive, it was able to take full advantage of the hardware and pull off some pretty amazing feats. Uh, as a result, like not just the number of sprites, but like the the special attacks are because of Disgaea. Some, of course, some of those, is over some of those Disgaea attacks gets yeah, it's pretty. Some of those attacks get pretty intricate in terms of the the spell effects and animations and whatnot. So yeah, and and if there's one thing Disgaea Five had is that everything ran extremely smooth, and so I would hope that that does carry over very well to the Switch. But regardless, even if there is some slowdown, I still think it's it's far and away an incredible strategy RPG that people definitely deserve to play. Not that you have a lot of RPG options on the Switch at this time, so that's I think that. That and like I am Setsuna really and Zelda of course. That's those are like the the three ones that I can think of that are actually RPGs until we get to the point of like Square Enix and uh, Project Octopath or something like that. That might not even be this year. Maybe Xenoblade Chronicles <laughs> too, will be which is there. scheduled scheduled for this year, which <laughs> yeah, is like the, the yeah, biggest right. long shot. <laughs> yeah, we'll see if anything else comes out in 2017. And that's uh, you know this really was the only Switch title revealed by Nice America for 2017. So who knows that's, what their support? That's one for the more Switch for. title than most people. Yeah, that's that's it. But you know, maybe next year they'll have like a bunch of games. And I was gonna say before that before we get into the big news, um, they also showed off like details of the other games. Like Rose in the Twilight, which I think looks extremely charming, and I'm excited for. They also uh, announced like de- details, uh, shared more details. Excuse me, of like Birthdays the Beginning, which is from the maker of uh, Harvest Moon, and then you've got uh, the Toho games that they showed off: Guns, Guns of Wanderer and Double Focus. Double Focus is more like a. Um, isn't that the the one that was one more of them like is a, like a platformer? Yeah. One of them is like a roguelike, and then the new one is like a brawler. Yeah, yeah I'm with not the too VR sure. mode and all I don't, I don't, I don't keep on top of these, but yeah. I thought, I thought it was three super different cool. games, three different genres. I thought it was super cool that they're localizing the that Cold Salt uh, Revolt. Yeah, Cold Salt. yeah, Revolt. Uh-huh. Revolt. Yeah, Revolt. Me. Yeah, for 3DS. Yeah, that that was kind of out of nowhere for me. It's like I remember awesome. playing some of the older ones. It's kind of a uh, neat series. I, I don't know much about Coldcept except version. it's Sorry. like a. I don't know much about Coldcept except that it's like a card based like like video game board game type thing. It's yeah, a, a little very bit, very yeah. fun game. Thing. Yeah. So. It's a it's it's very like a heavily medieval style uh, kind of. Yeah, it's it's a lot of like RNG, but like mixed with rpg elements in like a board game fashion it's very very odd it actually yeah it's a very fun game and i think i I played a lot of it on the xbox 360 because they released a like there's only been like a couple cold step games ever localized because there's been Mm -hmm, a number of them of course in japan um but yeah cold step revolt and it's actually got the artist of um isn't that like the 999 artist or something like that or the vlr artist like the 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 character artist i don't know if you noticed Uh, that I actually didn't notice, but yeah, that'd be really cool. For I forget his, I forget their name, but like that, the art style like highly resembling of uh, Virtue's Last Reward. So uh, that's that's awesome. And and yeah, besides that, like yeah, um, RPG Maker Fest also announced for localization. That's the Nintendo 3DS RPG Maker game. So 
I don't know if if because like that, huh. like Super Mario Maker, I guess, on like the competition for simulation games like that. But uh, that should be interesting. I don't know how many people are actually going to make those games because I think that the big pull from that series is that if you make the game, they can turn around and sell it because you know Steam has like a billion of those. But having it on the 3DS, did they say I, anything kinda, about like uploading your creations? I have no idea. That's how I was thinking. I was like, how do you share like the RPGs that you make on 3DS? You just like it's a weird you just give it you to give it to another person. Just give your 3ds to other person. Like, hey, go play my game. It's a very weird get for them. I don't know. That's well, I guess we'll see and, and find and find out and see how impressive that really is. I mean, gonna this be. is this is totally anecdotal, but I know one person who where RPG Maker Fest was like their announcement of the show. Like that's what they wanted yeah, to get, and well. they they bought the they, Nice America has a limited edition, and they bought it you know as soon as they could. Like, wow, well, I guess some people have their crowd. jam. <laughs> so. Yeah, and then, and besides that, they also showed Tokyo Tattoo Girls, which um, was released in Japan as Tattoo Nation for the Vita. I still have no idea what that is. It's, 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 it's like a, a, it feels like more of a, like an indie game. Yeah, it was it was released for a very in, small developer. Yeah, it was released for the Vita back in September. Um, I saw a trailer, but it was just the same stuff that the same trailer that they showed today, uh, or from the event. In any case, um, and outside of that, there was also more details about the Silver Case, which is the. Um, the game that Suda51 worked on uh, a long, long time ago when he was still working with Human Entertainment. And it's actually a game that I would be very excited to try myself because I, I knew about the game from before. This was pre-Killer7. Actually, it was, I think it's the game that kind of, um, there was another another game, that another series. Was that it before No More Heroes? Yes, it was definitely before then. We're talking about like the 90s. Yeah, um, that's what I figured. Yeah, because Human actually shut down at the turn of the century sadly mm-hmm. uh from uh, the number of great games that they had they're like not only are they the the, 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 um, the fire pro guys <laughs> they also released like the sos for the super nintendo and then you've also got um what was the game Mizerna falls from the playstation they actually had a lot of games and what was the other it was like an access games uh access games localize it for the mobile i'm trying to remember what it's called like it was like a really weird um oh is it like that like that kind of like the japanese so resort thing with the spirits or yeah kind of it's like they're the, yeah, like oh. silhouettes i'm gonna i'm gonna like this something oh god the, yeah the, the name is escaping me because that's getting uh like a remake of sorts right now um I'm gonna look this uh, up because this is gonna. Uh, the la, 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 Banshee's Last Cry. Yes, Banshee's Last Cry. Thank you very much for yeah. remembering that. That was and that was actually a, a crazy series. Like my experience with that was like Game Center CX and seeing an episode of that and wanted to know more about it. But yeah, that was um, Silver Case. Just looks like a really cool style. To, has a really cool style to it. So I'd like to try it out. Um, and that was kind of a lot of the uh, news leading up to what is arguably the biggest announcement of the night. Uh, I don't think it's RPG Maker cool. Vest. Uh, Josh, why don't you take this? This yeah, this, this game is definitely kind of kind of one of those big surprises here. Uh, nice America is localizing the newest East game, East Eight Lacrimosa of the Na, uh, for the PlayStation Four, PlayStation Vita, and the PC via Steam this fall. Wow, oh, that's uh that's that was definitely the the shocker of the night. Definitely the ones that made headlines all across everyone who's watching. First Steam East game, East game since Origins and Oath. 
Uh, other than yeah, there was that like that weird like some games were actually put on Steam early like Steam Greenlight, but they were taken down maybe due to licensing issues. But yeah, Memories of Salsetta, Memories of Salsetta, which released in 2014, 13 or fourteen, at least the English versions, it got like a PC version in like China China, or something. Yeah, that was the like like, Joyland, and then like you know it's it's. One of those things, like maybe something weird will happen and it'll get to PC eventually. But that game, as well as E7, are right now basically PSP and Vita exclusive. Um, yeah. For... So this game is bringing the series back to PC with uh, Nice America. We were talking before. That's one of the things they're doing. Mm-hmm. But this is the first game that Nice America is localizing and translating, and not. Exceed. Yeah. Um, uh, Exceed has had the East license for God, how long now? A long the, the, their their first East game was was it no was it seven no one it couldn't and two chronicle I think it was one and two right chronicles, like the DS yeah. or something like that like the way back there oh yeah, yeah. chronicles <laughs> I think chronicles and Oath and Falgana were originally or at least they, these games have Sony releases but they released on PSP first in America right. I, I think, think Oath and came out on the PS2. Because like, Konami did one. I remember that. Like a PS2 Ar- Konami Ar- one. Ar- 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 oh, wait. And, and that also... Uh, oh, yeah. Ark and Nepashtim that had like missing content or something like that. It was yeah. It had like a 3D style. In, for, oh, the 3D a, CG opening? Holy shit. It was Even like Adol's character model, that version was like this 3D one rather than the 2D one that's in the version you can get on PC now. It was so bad. It was like a bad It looked really weird. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this brings up a lot of like interesting questions, like uh, on the exceeded side of things, because obviously you know Falcom has been kind of branching out to other publishers, uh, most recently Axis, yeah, with Tokyo Xanadu and EX Plus on that end. Now East with Nice America, this kind of you know leaves Exceed's schedule like more open than we initially thought because th- we thought that like they'd have Falcom's games on lockdown but uh, you know th- this th- this isn't like such a big big thing if you consider Falcom's perspective on it especially their stockholder meeting uh, late last year their their initiative was they wanted to get their games out on a more timely schedule in the yeah. West they want to they want to release it uh, faster and you know for XC I'd love XC to death but just they're they're limited on manpower and resources, yeah. and their their parent company is marvelous, and so, they're, they're obligated to localize Mar- like, marvelous's games. Yeah, so like things like things like Story of Seasons, and Senra also and Kagura. Um, yeah. and Kagura, and uh, that, the, that that Fate Excella game. Those are all marvelous games, right? Yeah, they are. So they kind of like have to do those, like because. They're, that's their company. That's that that is the company that owns them. So it's kind of like business, and that's no problem. It's yeah. just the fact. Yeah. And that, I know yeah. Story of Seasons uh, is one of those games. I think it was like one of Exceed's best-selling games. Was the original Story of Seasons um, fastest-selling, best-selling? Which is I found it. I found that to be a little bit of a surprise. I didn't realize the market for those games is is there. Yeah, we're um, going back to like you know, Last Story for the Wii was another one of those, and then yeah, Story Seasons came after that, and like they constantly got something like a, I, a surprise. I've, I've heard this a couple of different ways. It's kind of like how cynical do you want to be? From some people who I who I know who are a little bit closer to the situation than I am, I know Falcom has expressed disappointment in how long Trails' second chapter took, which really isn't that surprising because it did take quite a while for that to materialize and there's you know several setbacks here and there um i mean to what extent they're disappointed is you know just 
basically going to be a guess at this point. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but, to the eyes of the like, you know, it's a it's a company, it's a it's business. business. Yeah. You know, yeah. The, 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 no matter the circumstances, circumstances, it was an unfortunate like set of circumstances for Exceed, but that doesn't really factor into that's how long it took. That's the bottom line. Yeah. So uh, a more positive way to look at it is just that Falcom wants to get their games released worldwide, and they want to do it with, you know, uh, they want to be quick about it, you know, quick as they can be reasonably, and they can't rely on Xseed to do everything. Yeah. Um, so they're just branching out a little bit. They have Tokyo Xanadu um, was licensed by Axis Games to uh, for release, and now they're taking East and giving that to Nice America, who offered for it. So, yes, uh, and I know some Exceed employees have said that they didn't willingly give it up because, of course, mm-hmm. they would willingly give it up. They took it, it hard, it sounds it's, like. It, yeah. it's, it's a dear thing. Like, you know, Exceed is very passionate about the games they localize. Yeah. They take it all to heart. Okay, and I do think for a series like East, I know this game's a little bit different, hmm. but, like, something like the Trail series with a contiguous ongoing story and narrative like that, that's the type of game you really cannot take out of Exceed's hands now. They, they're they the experts at it. They they know it in and out. Um, so that series, I don't think we'll see. I think that'll be a lock for Exceed, yeah. Yeah, because for it... something, like, something like East, especially some of the story elements of the later games, I don't think it, like... I know some people have expressed disappointment in, in, in NIS America having it, which I'm, I'm not thrilled about it either, but... I don't think that that game, to this to the extent that Trails like requires the delicate touch or knowledge of the P, of the staff at XE to that extent. Um, yeah, I'm interested to see because you know there's gonna be like people who played East Eight are a little concerned about the translation quality of it, and of course this is all going back to when people think about like you know the the shoddy Nice America record. Like uh, like I said, uh, you know, last night, like Nisa is best taken on a case by case basis because they had a lot of weird technical bugs that they introduced in their localizations around the PS2 early PS3 era of stuff, yeah. and not like not everyone experienced it, but a significant amount of people did, and that's kind of, and it, it was it happened consistently uh, throughout each and every title that like you kind of pumped out, so it kind of gave them a bad look. But you know, there's perfectly you know the Disgaea Five localization from what I heard was perfectly fine. So yeah. I think I think modern Nisa is is fine. It's just, it's just I I can see some of the worries, but I think it's best left up to the finished product. And I but I understand the yeah the I worries. certainly understand it. Um, but it's just like I played. I don't. I, I haven't played a ton of Nisa games. Um, but some of the more recent ones I have played, I haven't noticed, you know, there weren't like any glaring issues except for one. I know in, in Operation Abyss, which I talked about earlier, they had a couple of untranslated lines in there, kind of similar to, to Atlas and, uh, and Shimagami Tensei. Mm-hmm. You know, we, you never want to see that happen, and it just pops up occasionally when some lines are just missed. So I know that has happened recently. I'm not saying it's going to happen again, but it's just, it happens. But we got to help, got to just got to kind of, you have to give them some faith that they're gonna push exactly. I mean, you, this, like, yeah. you can't you can't do all this and be super pessimistic about it for so many months. You know, I mean, from what I've heard, East Eight is a fucking fantastic game. Like a lot of East veterans say, it's easily one of their favorite East uh, games. Yeah, if I've, not, I've their heard favorite. the same thing, especially compared to Seven and Celsetta, which is those are the games in that same like party style mm-hmm. 3D games. 
Um, I, I've heard a lot of good things about East 8. So. Yeah, it definitely seems like a, a meteor game. And especially since, you know, the the PS4 and probably PC version of East will have uh, more content in it. Uh, some technical difficulty, but we're going to just continue on with the podcast. We've been talking about East 8 Lacrimosa of Dana. And just to wrap things up, uh, this game is not actually out on PS4 yet in Japan because they delayed that version. Yeah, that was They're, a weird thing. It came out last year for Vita. They actually announced that delay kind of early, like well before the PS or the Vita release. They they basically mm-hmm. said Vita release is on track for this year. PlayStation 4 uh, release is going to be delayed to next year. That was 2017, and that's coming out in May. And Falcom has done this similarly with Tokyo Xanadu. With Tokyo Xanadu, they added a couple of character playable characters and scenarios and things. From what I know, East 8 doesn't add quite as much stuff, but it has a bunch of performance improvements like 60 frames per second gameplay and things like that. Um, but I do know it adds a couple of scenarios re- revolving around Dana. Um, and it kind of, I know, gave her a couple of different battle styles. Yeah, she has like like uh, like a switch system now like between like different like color phases. Yeah. yeah. Like in in E seven in Salsetta, Adol has like three different weapon types. Um, I don't think they're quite weapon types. Basically, three different styles, kind of mimicking that idea. Uh, so uh, we're getting all the versions. So we're getting the Vita version and the PC, PC and PS or PS four versions. Um, well, the PC version is new, of course. Mm-hmm. And the the neat thing about this too is the this can be a dual audio release, so it's going to be English and Japanese voices, but. On top of uh, also has text for English and French as well, like English and French scripts. Yeah, we, we were talking about like Nisa and how much you know their efforts or whatnot. And it sounds it really seems like that they're they're giving this their all. You know, the PC port, dual audio, even French language options. Yeah, they have titles, a limited edition so. already up for it, and just you yeah. know, this is they're taking this very seriously too. You know, because this they treasured this new partnership. With Falcom, and you know, they—I'm sure they had to like go above and beyond to get uh, the East license and whatnot. And I—I I hope they—they they succeed uh, brilliantly, you know. But we'll—we'll we'll see this year uh, how that pans out. I'm really looking forward to it. I, yeah, I like we said, heard a lot of good things. Um, I, it's probably one of my most anticipated games of the year, to be honest. I mean, even mm-hmm. with Persona Five and all that. Yeah, it's—it's going to be. Definitely seems like it's going to be up there, but who knows? And I'm the type of person who, like, I don't want to spoil my. This I sound really silly, but I don't like to spoil myself on soundtracks before I play the game. Cause I, I, I kind of like having the, uh, like the the context for different tracks, like where they play or when they play in a game. But mm-hmm. Falcom soundtracks are, of course, amazing. So I want. I, that's one of the things I'm looking forward to most with East and also with games like Tokyo Xanadu, like, of course, you know, the soundtracks. <laughs> I just hope people don't like go into the game looking for how did Nice fuck this up or, or yeah. Sorry, yeah, I mean that, that, that seems up. that seems so inevitable, I... you know. I mean that because I guess a lot of the East fan base these days are definitely loyal to Exceed and whatnot because the the, the East and Exceed brand has kind of meshed together uh, over I mean, the years. Exceed is basically the one. I would not say East is like. I would still say they're a pretty niche series, but they definitely have gained and you know prevalence thanks to Xseed. Mm-hmm. So like Xseed, you know, has a lot, you know, a lot of the reason for this for this series being, you know, 
as liked as it is now. If you think about it, Exit is kind of the reason why Falcom has like kind of gained confidence in having their East games ported to PC, because they saw how well the Exceed's uh, efforts were and how well they were getting an income from the uh, PC market from those releases. So the uh, Exceed definitely paved the way, in a sense. But you know, there's a there's a video game uh, industry. There's how businesses work and. You know, best of luck to both of them and whatever they're doing in their future endeavors. It's definitely, you know, there's not the end of Exceed and Falcom. Definitely not. There's not, that shouldn't be, there's not how you should, like, interpret this news. It's just, it, this allows Exceed to give them a little bit of breathing room to hopefully, you know, nab more of Falcom's stuff uh, down the line. And, you know, bring you their products in a more timely manner because now they don't have a lot on their plate. They don't have a big backlog they have to worry about. There's like a, a little bit of a, a less pressure in a sense, especially because no Trails of Cold Steel 3 is definitely still a thing and we don't have a release date on that yet, but the, I imagine the script on that is going to be crazy. Just massive. Uh, this, this is this is idealistic, but I know like Cold Steel 2 released with Korean voice, I think even. Really? Um, hmm. Uh, simultaneously, or it was at least text um, mm-hmm. when it released in Japan, and I, th- I, I think Falcom wants to maybe not be a simultaneous release, but they want when Cold Steel Three releases, ideally they want it to be a simultaneous release in English as well. And who knows if that's even possible with a company like you know Exceed being as small as they are. But short story, they want it to be, they, they want this series to be a worldwide series. So. Oh yeah. It, uh, Falcom is taking the international stage a lot more seriously, more than they ever have, and and, uh, and hopefully this actually translates to like you know a more uh, speedy release of Trails of Cold Steel three. Now that they don't have to worry about Tokyo Xanadu and East having to get yep. through those first, it kind of in in a more in kind of a positive way to spin it, it gives Exceed basically uh, a chance to kind of focus on the Trail series, which is a series that does need a lot of effort mm-hmm. and care yeah. to, to get that properly, you know, localized. Hey, and, you know, crossing fingers and toes and anything else to, you know, hopefully get, the they get yeah, hopefully get yeah. cross belt. That'd be, that's kind of like the Holy grail in all of this. Um, yeah. But uh, wrapping that up, just the, the, the last piece of news just, just came out today as of this recording as the, at magic 2017, which is the Monaco anime game international conferences, uh, very familiar with yeah obviously everyone knows that um they you know confirmed once again with a few new screenshots that kingdom hearts 3 and final fantasy 7 remake is you know still in development uh not a lot to go on you know kingdom hearts 3 screenshot has sora which they finally uh, gave uh a name to that shield form that they teased a few months back called the, well, power, the form. power form yeah um so that's looking all nice and dandy. You're going against um, what a new um, heartless model or something. Um, yeah, some big armored heartless. I think they're they're in Thebes. They said for that screenshot. It's who knows. There's still no release date for that. But final chapter <laughs> prologue. I hate yeah. I hate to be skeptical, but like whenever they release like these like single individual screenshots for a game who that still seems to be quite a ways out, like is this a real screenshot or is this some target rendered? I, exactly. <laughs> I I'm not believing anything until you yeah. know, they actually show us. Uh, they actually show like some dude that's not from them have 
their hands on the controller and they could confirm, yeah, this is I I was playing it. <laughs> you know. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but when was Kingdom Hearts three like actually officially announced? Wasn't it 2013? It's almost four years since announcement already. It was it was the same uh, the same time that uh, the Sony press conference uh, uh, 2013, I believe, when they yeah, announced uh... when they when they re released or re-announced versus is 15 yeah yeah so that, that came it, along it's, with it's, it's, it's like just... oh yeah kingdom hearts is holy shit that's a thing that yeah, was such it's... a weird thing where like, it did like a trailer and then said now in development like <laughs> i think that's the only first time i've seen that on <laughs> yeah and it's it's like well I, why yeah it's... that's just, just a weird strange text like now in development because opposed to what not in development <laughs> now a concept or something like that oh god <laughs> i mean it's just kind of almost surprising like wow this was announced almost four years ago and it still oh. feels like we haven't seen anything and i besides like this screenshot and like one other screenshot for the ff7 anniversary thing they, yeah, i think they like the that. last like significant like actual information we've gotten out of kingdom hearts 3 i think was at the end of 2015 when they said that there was going to be a Big Hero 6 world. Oh, yeah. I, I think, like, that's currently, like, the most recent piece. They showed it's a Disney piece. event. I forgot the exact Disney event, like, but, G- yeah. G23 Japan. Yeah. Fuck, like they, man. Like, they said there's going to be a... Uh, oh, I guess in 2016, uh, late last year, we did get, like, two other screenshots of Sora in his guard form. Uh, Woo. just like this really slow drip feed of like individual screenshots yeah. <laughs> anyway it still feels like it's a ways out yeah but who knows I'm, I'm, I'm thinking some. it has to be sometime next year right fuck I don't know who knows uh, yeah they also did, showed did off did you mention that they, oh, you, I, don't, I don't remember if you mentioned mm-hmm. that they showed off a couple of Final Fantasy remake oh uh, yeah remake. yeah I was gonna yeah I'm about to get to that right now but uh, yeah uh, two new screenshots of FF7 remake, which is kind of in the same weird spot as Kingdom Hearts 3. It's like, we don't know if these are actually like real screenshots of the game or they're just target renders. Um, but there, there's some cool stuff. Like, they, they showed off uh, one of the, like, the Guard Scorpion fight. Uh, seems to be still, like, you know, uh, active uh, real time and whatnot. It, to me, it looks like a messy screenshot, to be honest. But there's a lot of things going on. It's tails up. Attack. It's tails up. And whatnot. And the other one is. is uh, is actually more interesting to me because it has like a, a stealth yeah cloud is like hiding behind cover from enemy gunfire so there's some sort of cover system in the game uh very weird stuff but it looks really nice and hopefully that's comes out somewhat soon or the first episode of it rather yeah it's it's like an episodic thing so yeah these work. are still very mysterious products, even though they like yeah. we know they've been in development for quite a while. Like FF Seven Remake was when did we know that twenty fifteen at PlayStation Experience? I think so. Ah fuck. But yeah, those are the, that's the annual like what like six month check in of like hey are these things still good? Yeah, at least one new, uh, new screenshot. All right, good. Then we we know it's still there. They haven't been canceled, for all we know. But. I know this is probably a minority mm-hmm. uh, opinion, not mine, but I, I've seen some people like kind of upset that Final Fantasy VII Remake seems to be taking things in a way different direction. But I mean, uh, you know, it's just remake, a, you know. Let, let them do what they want exactly. with it. The original, the original is still there if you want to play the original, and it's available then, yeah, the, on lots of different exactly. platforms. Exactly, that's, that's the so. weirdest <laughs> thing about it. It's like you, FF Seven is at like 
released everywhere now. You can play on your you can PS4, get on PS4 or... Vita, PS. I don't know if you can do it on PSP. Um, I think you can. I think you can. I think, I think I think you can. Well, I think you can get the PSX version from from PSN and get it on Vita or on PSP if you want. Like, yeah, it's, it's the original still there, untouched. Did you know? Just have at that then. It, like it, try to let like them, let them do something new and different, and yeah. you may not like it. You may like it. You know, let them. I, I'm always I'm always a fan of like uh, developers being able to like just go bonkers on what they want to yeah. do. Yeah, you know, for better or worse, but I'm I'm still looking forward to it. I just kind of hope that it comes out before the console generation ends at this point. Yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, we're, we're we're already almost like three four years in uh, to this generation. So. Yeah, and then you have this weird half steps of like the PS4 Pro and, and the then Scorpio, Scorpio and that then is. switches <laughs> out in a few weeks. Just yeah, what a weird time for video games. Ugh. But... So I think one last thing mm-hmm. in terms of Square Enix news, and I don't think any of us are really experts at Final Fantasy fourteen here. Oh yeah, but that's they, right. They announced uh, they had a they had a fan fest in Germany, I believe, Frankfurt, mm-hmm. um, where they they revealed a little bit more information on Stormblood, which is the latest, the second main expansion to Heaven or to uh, Final Fantasy fourteen, Heavensward being the first expansion. Uh, and they the main things is that they announced they revealed the the the. Uh, the second um, uh, class uh, for what was the first Stormblood. class was it Red, Red Mage? Mage, yeah, Red Mage. yeah, the uh, last time, and now they revealed the the other new class is going to be Samurai. Uh, nice, and this is a this is a, a this is a damage per second class, mm-hmm. and from what I understand, this is the first one. Like Heavensward didn't really add any damaging classes like this. This yeah, um, like uh, Heavensward uh, added like a new tank. Uh, it, no, they added. Ma- Machinist or machine? I forgot how to fucking pronounce that. Machinist. Machinist. Yeah. Yeah. Machinist and some mad, mad mage one. Yes. The, we're not, none of us are experts on this. But yeah. We're, we need Aaron here to talk. Yeah. About exactly. Top FF14 expert panel here. Um, but the the interesting thing about the samurai class was obviously it's gonna have stances and whatnot. It's gonna be very versatile up close. But this there's gonna be the uh, there has been a close range DPS class. Since the ninja, I I don't know if ninja was in the heaven sword or pre heaven sword. Uh, I I know it wasn't at launch, but I I don't know if it was in, added in the patch or not. But uh, samurai classes will use strength gear, and they shut off a little bit uh, with the new opening movie, like a kind of like extended of what the the teaser for the Stormblood I, I trailer that was. Opening movie was kind of weird. It was like. These over-the-top like action scenes with like the dancer fighting a monk or something. It's not and actually like... a dancer; it's just a monk because it, like a dancer would oh. imply that's like actual the actual class, but no, it's just a. Oh, because dancer's few... not a class yet. Right? Yeah, so it's actually just a I think a monk, like a... female monk. And, and then you have like this samurai like gets cornered by like some like police force or something, and he just like does like a single like super. Yeah, it's a very it, it, it's very much like very a anime. yeah, it's very yojimbo like like uh and. Definitely takes single, use of horror in, in FF10 in a sense. Single slash and it like destroys like that building he's even right next to or whatever. Like, okay, <laughs> over the top. Uh, and there's like no dialogue in this trailer at all. It's no, no, like, it's just the opening movie. It's for like sure. it's like it's just like camera pans and action scenes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then there's a new player hub, the Kugane Port Town, uh, with the Beast Tribe, the Kojin in it, and uh, the new primal that's the, they're gonna be introduced in Stormblood is Susano. Is kind of mythologically kind of like uh, God of the Storms. One of those, 
one of those Japanese mythological deities that shows up in these games. <laughs> it has to, uh, right? Quite a bit. Yeah, but the, you know, I think the coolest thing that I saw was uh, the new residential area, the Shirogane. Uh, very, you know, uh, Japanese themed, uh, very oriental. Uh, yeah. it looks like, it looks quite is nice. That like player housing. I think so. Yeah, yeah. We'll go. We'll go <laughs> with that. You know, because we all play FF14 <laughs> here, twenty hours a day. <laughs> I, I think that is though. I know I saw some people excited about housing. I don't know if it was a possibility or actually there. I, th- I think housing is a thing there now. I think. I don't know. We'll have to consult uh, top experts like Aaron. I'm sure, Andrea, I'm sure we'll do Kyle. a future podcast where we'll get either Andrea or Aaron here, and they'll they'll gush all over. Yeah. Like, and, then, 14, I'm sure. and then we're just, we'll just be all nodding. And it's like, yeah, d- me too. I, mm-hmm. But that's cool. I mean, uh, I read, I was reading that Yoshida kind of, he noticed that adding new tank and healing classes didn't actually like make more people jump onto those classes just kind of had the existing population of them go to that new class instead so that's kind of why they added new two dps classes instead um so they're trying to i guess uh rework ways on like how to get more people into those less popular roles because you know dps is still very much uh the the predominant the uh, go-to for uh, partying up and whatnot so it's always going to be stuck in long queue times if you're a dps so even gonna be longer with stormblood now that you have more dps but i think i think that's uh that's still great how this game is expanding in fantastic ways and a lot of people are still digging it that's yeah that's a, i think that's all for europe fan fest i mean for considering FF14. how i know this has probably been uh-huh. talked about a ton but considering how final fantasy 14 started it's kind of you know, it's still one of my comeback it's, it's of the century. It's kind centuries. of amazing where it is now. Like mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's so well loved. Um, it seems like by everyone who plays it loves it. It seems like so. The only reason why I haven't played it, I'm just kind of, I'm almost like intimidated by the amount of content there seems to be. I feel like I'd be like, you know, dedicating. We a whole would lot never of time see you again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I played. But but I, but from what I hear about from Aaron and Andrea and Kyle, who all all of our staffers who play this, is that it's. Final Fantasy XIV has got a really good like characters and narrative elements. I know Aaron will easily tell you that this is the best Final Fantasy. She can easily the rent off for ten hours, and you'd be like, "Oh, okay, yeah." <laughs> well, like she'll tell you that, the, you know, Final Fantasy XIV is an MMO, of course, but it has a story. She'll tell you that it its story elements put you know blow Final Fantasy XV out of the water like not even a comparison. <laughs> she'll tell you that, and without any hesitation. I know others would too, so it's it seems to be very well loved, and it's kind of amazing where Final Fantasy XIV started and where it is now. Mm-hmm. So. That's uh, that's gonna be out what end of June, I believe. June twenty right. something, yeah, yeah, twenty. And uh, that'll wrap with up of course the, with of course the usual like pre-release betas and whatnot. Oh yeah, of course, if, uh, if you buy into that, and. But that's I think that's it for the this week's Tetracast then. Uh Zach had to drop out unfortunately due to technical issues with the internet and whatnot. You know, infrastructure internet infrastructure in the US is still pretty bad. <laughs> but life goes on. You can find us over at rpgsite.net, at Twitter over at RPG Site, Facebook.com slash RPG Site Net, and over at youtube.com slash RPG Site Net. So you'll see playthroughs of various stuff along with my impressions import impressions of persona 5 and also you can find us at itunes uh just search up tetracast 
uh, the discord.me slash RPG site. Been a lot of uh, heated discussions over that East uh, news and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And everyone's still a little For bit sure. shaken up. Um, but, you know, it'll shake out. And Twitter handles, fellas. Adam, what's yours? K-N-G underscore S-E-D-A. Brian? Brian. Uh, Z-E-O-M-A-S-S-I-C-O-T. Awesome. And you can find me over at HD Karen, H-D-K-I-R-I-N. And for our fallen brother, Zach, at Zach Reese. This has been this week's TetraCast. <laughs>